Now please remain standing for this morning's scripture reading. We'll continue on in Paul's letter to to the Corinthians, his second letter. And this morning's scripture reading is from chapter three. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze on Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Eric Stites. I'm one of the pastors here at New City. Uh, such an honor and privilege to uh, be here this morning and uh, preaching from God's Word. Got a lot of, a lot of Word to cover this morning. Um, uh, so, but before we do that, I want you to imagine uh, something with me. Uh, imagine that as we're sitting here in this room, um, that all of a sudden those back doors uh, fling wide open and you hear trumpets uh, playing a a fanfare, and you see a red carpet rolled out all the way uh, right here to the end of the stage, and uh, a procession of musicians and attendants uh, walk down this aisle, and behind them um, is a king. And he's dressed in uh, a purple robe, a robe of of splendor. He's uh, got a crown on his head. Uh, He's got jewels. uh, He's got uh, all over him. He's adorned um, in this majesty, right? And uh, as he walks in, what happens to the room? 
you don't care about me anymore. All of the weight, all of uh, the heaviness in the room uh, goes to him. It goes to the king um, as he walks in. Why? Because the king has glory. The king has uh, glory about him. And, and if he were to walk up to any one of us, uh, we would probably have, uh, hopefully, uh, an appropriate response, which is to, to bow, uh, to show some kind of, of reverence, respect for this king that's um, in our presence. And if we don't, if we sort of stand there as some of us probably would do since we don't really have much respect for kings or queens, um, but we might stand there sort of nonchalantly with our arms folded. Well, one of the attendants in the king's posse would come up to us and make sure uh, that we knew what it was to respect this king because he uh, is the king. And so you see, um, the king has uh, glory. And so as he walks in, we give him glory because he has uh, glory. Glory. It's a word that uh, we use a lot in the church. Uh, and I, I'm afraid that sometimes we don't actually know what we mean. Uh, we already sang about it this morning. Uh, we read about it in scripture. Um, it's in our songs. Um, sometimes we even say it to one another. We say it about the music. The music was what? Glorious. Um, it's not often said about the sermon. Uh, that the sermon was so glorious, although I will say after last uh, service, someone came up to me and said, what a glorious sermon. So maybe you can be uh, the number two to do that. Um, but uh, what is it? Uh, in our passage, in five verses, Paul says the word glory 10 different times. So clearly he wants uh, us to know something about it. So glory, what is it? Well, it's it's this idea, you imagine that king walking in, glory is, is value, it's splendor, it's the riches that he has, it's the dignity that he walks in with, it's that weight, that heaviness, the, the, how the gravity of the room centers um, on this, this person. That is what uh, glory is, and when we experience it, it's an awesome thing. Awesome in the sense of awe, filled with, with awe and, and wonder and even a healthy bit of fear for this person that is here. But you and I, we know that this picture of a king walking into this room is, is such a tiny, tiny glimpse uh, of God's glory. Such a tiny version of that. Meeting God's glory, right, fills us with, with awe and, and a healthy fear and wonder and that this God is, is no one to play with. Um, he means uh, business. But I do think uh, that we've sort of lost this, lost this idea at times of, of God's glory. We, we relate to him like he's father and friend and uh, these types of things, and that is good because that is true. And yet, that is not the only thing. He is father, he is friend, but he is glorious king. And uh, we need to recapture that. But what's amazing is just as much glory as God has, <clears throat> my question for you this morning is, what about you? Do you know that you possess glory? Do you know that there is a, a glory in you? Do you ever think um, about that? But some of us uh, are, are trying to uh, make our own glory. We're trying to build it ourselves. Why? Because it's, it's value, it's, it's splendor. We want to have the dignity. And so we're trying to make that through the businesses that we build, um, making sure that our kids are going to the right schools, um, building our own homes, uh, making sure that our kids are successful in whatever uh, way we can, that we serve our community, um, and that brings us uh, glory. 
let's be honest, it's, it's the number of, of likes we get on Facebook and Instagram brings us a sense of glory and value and worth. And it's the reputation that we have. All these things uh, are for us a, a counterfeit glory. But you see, we try to produce our own. And I'm here to tell you, and Paul is here to tell you, that's all in vain. Because you and I cannot make our own glory. Why? Because glory is given. It is not produced. Glory is reflected. It's not manufactured. And so do you, do, do we, do we know this uh, glory that we have been given and how we reflect it um, to the world that we are in? This passage uh, that Paul uh, uh, has given to us, it's all about the glory um, that is available to us um, in Christ. And Paul tells us that this glory comes to us through what he calls the ministry um, of the new covenant, the ministry of the new covenant. So this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, What is this ministry um, of the new covenant? So first, uh, I want to talk about um, the measure of this ministry, the measure of uh, uh, this new covenant ministry. How do we know um, that this is happening? How do we know that it is uh, successful? Listen, Paul's goal as he's writing um, this whole letter uh, is to make sure that the Corinthians know uh, what, uh, have the proper perspective, the right perspective on who Paul is, uh, what his ministry is, and what his message is. Remember, we've been talking in the past weeks about how divided uh, the church is over this. The gospel message is getting twisted in all kinds of of ways. And so Paul is here defending um, himself that he indeed is someone qualified to preach. He's an ordained minister of the gospel. And so he's defending um, that message. And so here in chapter 3, that's why he begins with a couple of questions. And they're rhetorical questions. And the answer is no to both of them. He said, he asked this, um, uh, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? No, we're not doing that. Or are, are, do we need letters of recommendation uh, to you or from you? The answer is no, um, we don't need that. And yet, for Paul, this was a common practice, that there would be letters of recommendation. You would go around as a, as a preacher, as a teacher, um, with a piece of paper that, that said, here I am, and here's why you should listen to me. Here's all my accomplishments. This is uh, what I have done. And Paul says, I don't need one of those. You know why? He says, because you, Corinthian church, are my letter of recommendation. You are uh, the letter of recommendation. You see, as people uh, hear about our ministry, I don't have to write to them about what's going on. They see you, and they know this is legitimate. They see you, and they see uh, change, and they know this is Uh, a ministry uh, that is worth following. So in other words, Paul is saying um, that my resume is renewal. Our resume uh, is renewal in this ministry of the new covenant. Listen, some of us, uh, our resume is uh, about our education. Resume is about the books that have been written, the accomplishments that we have, the job titles we've um, possessed, and all of that. And for Paul, he says, no, no, no. My resume is the Corinthian church and the lives that have been changed because of the ministry of Jesus. And so people have, have heard of this church. Remember, this church is wild. We, we talked about it uh, last, when we preached on 1 Corinthians, we talked about some of the wild things that were going on, uh, the immorality that was going on. They were coming to this table. People were getting drunk on the wine and all this type of stuff. And, and Paul comes and he's, uh, he's with them and he brings uh, discipline. And, and people see what? The change. 
people see the change. This would have been so countercultural to um, this, uh, uh, to the world that they lived in. And so people would have looked at it and, and seen the renewal and said, that is, uh, change is happening there. There is something um, there. I want to tell you all, for the pastoral team here at New City, you are our letter of recommendation to the world. You are our letter of recommendation. And the question is, are lives being transformed? That, that's, that's how people would know. Uh, is the ministry um, happening here? And I'm here to tell you that that, that answer is yes. I hear stories uh, every week uh, of some amazing things that have happened. Um, and so we measure our ministry based on our lives being transformed, our lives being brought from unbelief to, to belief, our, our marriages being rescued. Yes, are people experiencing healing from abuse in all kinds of forms? Yes, are people confessing sexual immorality and experiencing freedom? Yes, is our church trying and attempting to be the right hand of God's justice in our city? Yes, caring for the poor? Yes, I could go on, but this is the measure of whether or not uh, this church is doing the ministry um, that Paul has uh, ascribed to us. Let me tell you something. You know that's really hard to measure. It's really hard to measure is, are those things happening, right? The, the easiest way to measure is how many people are sitting here today? How many people have come on Sunday morning? The easiest way, thing to measure is how much money is in the bank. And that is often how we measure the success of our ministry. Paul says, no, no, no. You are my resume. Our resume is renewal. Now I can tell you uh, here at New City that we uh, are working hard to make sure that we're measuring the right thing. And I would tell you that we we want a culture where uh, the church would buy into that, would trust that uh, process. And so I would encourage you, you're already doing it, so don't hear this as, as admonishment. I'm telling you an excitement and encouragement. Continue to do that. Continue to jump on board with common rhythm in, in the workshops, uh, community groups, and community Bible reading, and, and circles, and all of these things. Continue to jump into that, because our uh, resume is renewal. And that is our measure. It always will be, and I'm so thankful for that. So listen, our resume uh, can be renewal because we have confidence that change happens in no other way, uh, comes in no other form than through Christ himself. Our confidence uh, for that change is in Christ. Paul, it was so simple for him. Paul, Paul was dependent on Christ. Christ was the sufficient one. Paul um, trusted um, and didn't trust in himself. Trusted in Christ because Christ is the one who had the power and he was, he was sure to not get that twisted, and he wanted the Corinthian church to know that, and he wants us to know that today. Christ um, is our confidence. He knows enough to not trust in himself. He doesn't claim any of the renewal that people were seeing came from him, but the Corinthian church wanted that. Because the Corinthian church, they wanted to know we're strong. <laughs> and Paul said, no, your confidence um, is in Christ. And so Paul endeavored to lead a Christ-dependent ministry. I want to tell you this morning... You know, there's someone else uh, that wants and endeavors to lead a Christ-centered ministry. It's our pastor, Damien, desiring, I know, to lead a Christ-dependent um, ministry. He did not pay me to say that, I promise. It's true, though. I know him, uh, and, and, and I know that that is where his own confidence comes from. Listen, you know what the, the, the hardest thing for pastors is? And the hardest thing is that uh, we want to justify our existence to you all. Every day, right? 
And so sometimes what that means is we put our confidence in, in making sure we look right up here. We make sure there's this beautiful uh, service that you get to be a part of. Make sure that we're executing the perfect strategy to do this, that, and the other thing. Make sure we've dotted our I's and crossed our T's, right? And so what can happen, though, it's so easy is for pastors to become dependent on all that stuff. That's not Christ, though. Now, listen, we can do those things and depend on Christ, and I believe we're doing that here. Uh, but I want you to know, um, and I want you to uh, see um, how rare it is uh, that we would have a truly Christ-dependent ministry. And I want you to know and celebrate the kindness of the Lord, um, that that is the type of uh, ministry that we have. It's so good. I'm so grateful um, for that here at New City. Um, and so should you uh, as well. So listen, the measure of our ministry um, is the, the, the change in real people's lives. Uh, second, this morning, uh, I want to talk about the glory uh, of this new covenant ministry. The glory uh, of this new covenant ministry. I'm going to focus on verses 7 through 11 if you're uh, reading along in the scriptures. Um, I want to say this. If you and I could be captured by God's glory, it would change everything in our life. If we could be truly captured and behold um, the Lord's uh, glory, it would truly um, change everything. And so in this point uh, what I, that I'm making, I, I want us to, to, to recapture that. I hope uh, that by the end uh, you have a glimpse, just a small glimpse, like that king walking in and all the weight of the room being on that king, uh, for us to recapture um, who God's, uh, what God's glory is like. So listen, Paul, um, in these verses, he references uh, Moses, and he talks about letters of stone, and he talks about uh, uh, his face shining. Um, what is he talking about? Um, well, Paul is, is comparing two different things. He's comparing the, the old covenant and, and the new covenant. Um, his point is that the old covenant um, is old. <laughs> it's inferior, um, and that this new covenant is far superior, filled with far um, greater glory uh, than, uh, than anything that had been seen up to that point. But for us to understand that, to understand how great of a glory is over here, we need to understand um, the glory uh, that Moses had. We need to understand uh, what that was like. So we know a little bit of uh, his story. We know Moses. Moses, the leader of God's people, led them um, out of uh, Egypt. He had these Ten Commandments. That's the letters of stone that Paul is referring to. But as, Paul, uh, I mean, as, as Moses goes along in his life, he wanted to know more of, of who this God is that he was serving. And so, as we read in our call to worship, he asks God something pretty bold. Please, show me your glory. Show me um, your glory. He wanted to have that glimpse of this king and, and who is it that I'm serving. He wanted to see the value, the, the splendor, the, the riches um, of who this God was. And God replies, as we read, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name the Lord, even just his name is filled with glory. The Lord, the Lord, slow, uh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast uh, love, right? And as, after he says all those things, he says, but listen, Moses, you cannot see my face because if you see my face, you won't live. That's how glorious um, I am. And so that's what happened, right? God uh, meets uh, Moses uh, on the mountain um, and he passes by, and as he passes by, we know the story, um, God actually has to cover Moses with his hand um, so that Moses won't be uh, consumed by uh, the Lord's glory. And after uh, the Lord's glory passes Moses uh, by, Moses can respond in only one way. 
He falls on his face um, in worship of God. And it's after this experience, after, after this, he has the two tablets of stone. He walks down the mountain, and what's, what, what's going on? His face is showing with light. Um, as he experienced the glory of God, uh, now his face, uh, literally, it says, reflected like rays of light uh, to everyone who saw him. This is what it was like to experience God's glory. If only we could recapture a little bit of that, right? And so in, in order to understand the greater um, glory of the new covenant, we've got to understand that original um, glory. Because now Paul says, listen, the glory we have now so far outweighs what Moses has. I can't, I can't wait to tell you about it. You need to live into this. That's what Paul is, is writing to the Corinthians, urging them. And he says this about the difference between the two. He says, listen, the old uh, covenant uh, is, a, is, a, is a ministry of death, he says. But now you have a ministry of life by the Spirit. He says of the old covenant, this is a ministry of condemnation. But now, in this new covenant, you have a ministry of righteousness. He says that old covenant was, was a temporary one. It faded away. But the new one is permanent, he says. So it goes from death to life, from condemnation to righteousness, from temporary and fading to permanent. So let's talk about that for a second. Why, why was... Why was the old one condemning and why did it bring death? Well, remember what Moses came down with, these two tablets, the, the Ten Commandments. He came down with the law. And as, that, as, uh, as they read it, um, they saw the glory of God, but they also saw here's God's standard for us and we see that what? We don't measure up. And so it showed us uh, how far short we fall um, of his uh, glorious standard and the only consequence that there can be is condemnation unto death. That's why Paul says in verse six, the letter of the law, it kills. It brings um, death. What about the fact that it's temporary? Um, what is that about? Well, um, the glory that was uh, brought about by, um, by Moses' ministry, it didn't last. We see in, in, in Paul's writing that he, he, Moses came down with a veil um, uh, over his face, and, and some of us think uh, that's because uh, he wanted to make sure that the people that saw him weren't freaked out by his face that was showing with all this light, but that's not it. The reason he wore a veil over his face is because he didn't want his people to see that the glory was going to fade away. You see, because as, the, as, as that happened, uh, that was uh, synonymous of what would happen to Israel is because their obedience would fade away. So as that light faded, so did their uh, obedience. See, Israel, you know this story. This was their story over and over again. They'd start strong. They got a glimpse of the glory. They were excited to follow God. And then what happens? A few minutes later, they're making golden calves, Right? A few minutes later, they're falling um, into sin, they're stumbling, they're tripping, and they're fading um, away. But I wonder for you, does that sound uh, familiar? Does that sound familiar? I think for many of us, I want you to hear me, I think many of us are living as if we're under that old covenant ministry. I think we're living under what feels like a ministry of death and condemnation. I mean, tell me that this doesn't feel like you. Right? I know I'm, I'm going to tell myself I'm uh, going to be a, a better mom. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a, a more loving spouse. I'm not going to speak uh, words of criticism. Right? I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to yell at my kids. I'm going to be um, uh, 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 patient with them. 
right? We tell ourselves, I'm, I'm going to serve more. I'm going to be not so selfish. I'm going to give uh, back. I'm going to be brave and share my faith. Um, I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm going to deal with um, my addictions to pornography, to my addiction to my phone. I'm going to get closer to God. Whatever it is, we make these resolutions. And we say, I'm going to do it. And what happens? Last for a little while. We obey out of our own strength. And like Israel, the glory fades. Our obedience fades. We fail and we fall. And then what happens? We, we, we fall into this tailspin, right? We fall into this tailspin of condemnation, a ministry of condemnation. We feel guilty. There's this weight on our shoulder. We beat ourselves up because we think, I'm going to beat myself up to pay for what I've done. Um, and we think that this is what we're supposed to do. And then we listen to those voices um, that begin to speak to us in our condemnation, right? The voices that say, see, you're really just a failure. See? Told you you're not going to be a good mom, good dad. Told you you're not going to love your spouse well. Told you you're going to keep yelling at your kids. Told you you're too chicken to share your faith. <laughs> All of that. We listen to those voices. Condemnation um, sets in. We begin to even have self-hatred. Um, Death and condemnation. I think there's some of us right here, right now, that's where we're at. But I want to share with you, God is inviting you. God is inviting you, and Paul is telling us the promise um, is real, that there is actually something better, that there is a far greater glory that we have been given. He is inviting us uh, to the ministry of the Spirit, where there is life and righteousness. You see, whereas uh, the law uh, that Moses had, it brings death, Jesus has brought life and righteousness. This is what the new covenant is, it's new life in Christ. That Jesus' death on the cross pays for uh, our death sentence that we deserve. A substitute sacrifice in our place. Us deserving to be on a cross um, receiving the wrath, but instead it's Christ and his death um, is bringing us new life. You see, whereas the law brings condemnation, Jesus gives righteousness. We've got to understand this. We've got to understand just how much righteousness uh, Jesus has given us. You see, uh, Jesus didn't just pay for the debt um, that we owe. It's so much more than that. And that's what Paul's trying to get them to see. You know, imagine if, uh, if uh, I was to uh, fall into some really hard times and make some really poor decisions, and all of a sudden um, I uh, take out a loan to the bank that I can't repay, and I owe the bank $2 million, Right? I owe all of this money and I've got no way to pay it back. And now they're starting to call me in collections and all this type of stuff, right? <clears throat> and someone comes along and they see, and they see me. And they see me in my desperation um, and they love me. And they say, I got you. I'm gonna hold you down. And they write a check for $2 million. And all of us in that moment, can you imagine, right? We would be throwing a party. We would be so excited. We would be thankful. We would be hugging and kissing this person and saying, thank you so much. But what's the truth? The truth is, even with that $2 million, where does my account stand? Zero. All they did was get me out of the hole, which we are thankful for. Listen, many of us relate to God in that same way. Jesus, you got me out of the hole. And then what do we do? Now it's up to me, right, to, uh, to build my own portfolio and pay you back, right, for all that you've done. I've got to keep it there. That is not the ministry of righteousness. This is what it is. 
It is that once you find out that that $2 million check was written, you realize the person who wrote you that $2 million check was the very bank owner. And he says, listen, I'm not just paying for your debt. You're a part of my family now. You own this bank just like I own this bank. Every asset this bank has is yours. You're written into uh, this bank and it's uh, whatever it has is yours, whatever inheritance it has um, is yours. And so now your account doesn't just read zero. Right, your account reads whatever the bank has, the millions, the billions, the bank's balance is your balance. This is the ministry of righteousness that Jesus has purchased for us. That is the new covenant. Build your portfolio of good works? No. We get his portfolio. Every good and right thing that Jesus has done, the way that he loved his father while here on this earth, the way he obeyed, the way he loved his neighbor perfectly, saw everyone, we get credit for all of that as if we um, had done it. There cannot be condemnation because as as the father sees you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' righteousness. And so friends, brothers, sisters, listen, this is why Paul was so excited to be a minister of the new covenant because this is what it is. He was so excited. And so bringing this all together, he had this clear picture of Old Testament glory. Moses' face shining as he comes down the mountain, right? And, and then he, he, has, uh, he says this new covenant where we are, we have a, a glory that so far surpasses that I almost can't even speak about it. Words can't even describe the type of glory that we have um, because of what Christ has done for us. He says, this is where we are. No more death, no more condemnation, no more fading glory. We have life and righteousness and a permanent um, glory. Listen, Paul's goal in writing was to help the Corinthians have the right perspective of his ministry. So I wonder, what about you? What's your perspective on this ministry? What glasses are you seeing life through right now? Is it the old covenant or the new covenant? Is it death and condemnation or life and righteousness? Well, I don't know where you are, but here's the deal. If you want to put those glasses on of the new covenant, Paul tells us very clearly how we do that. How do we put on those glasses? Well, what was missing, what was absent in the old covenant was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so finally today, I want to talk about the spirit um, of the new covenant, the spirit of the new covenant, because this Um, is where the power comes from. And this is what we have in this new ministry. Listen, real change can happen in your life. Some of you all need to hear that. We actually can talk, act, think, pray, care about the things that Jesus cared about more like Jesus cared about them today than we did yesterday. And we can actually do those things more tomorrow than we're doing today. That really um, can happen by the Spirit. But some of us, we've grown cynical to that. We've sort of become content, like I guess it just is what it is. I guess I'm just gonna continue to struggle with the same things, I'm gonna believe the same lies. And you know, in our reformed world, we we, we love this idea of being totally depraved. And that's, that's a good thing. But the reality is there's a ministry of the new covenant where we don't stay in that same position, but we grow. We become more like Christ um, every day. And some of us need to not believe the lie that we have to stay where we are. It's a lie. Real growth um, can happen. 
And so, just like we needed to be recaptured by God's uh, glory and the glory that's available to us in the new uh, covenant, we need to be captured by this truth right now. The spirit of the very living God dwells inside of you. The very spirit of God lives inside of you. That may be all we need to talk about today. That may be what you need to leave with. Stop, pause, think about that. Let me tell you something, the gospel is clear. The gospel is clear that we we don't become more like Christ so that he will love us more. No, the gospel says Christ has loved us so much and so we become like him. It's a huge difference, but we get these things uh, too uh, confused often. But in verse 17, that's why Paul says, where the spirit of the Lord is, he says, there is freedom. What kind of freedom? I don't think it's the freedom that a lot of us like. The freedom that we like is the freedom to do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) That's not freedom, though. That's actually more bondage. Paul says, no, 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 the freedom I'm talking about is the freedom uh, from uh, bondage to sin and condemnation and death. It's freedom to um, obedience and righteousness and life. So what does the Spirit do? I want us to just focus on verse 18 um, as we draw this to a close. The Spirit is the power uh, for transformation. The Spirit is the power um, for transformation. It's not you, it's Him. Verse 18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. All right, we're gonna break this down a little bit, okay? Where does the transformation come from? This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Transformation is not yours. That's why Paul said, I'm confident in who? Christ, not me. Confident in Christ that he will change us by um, the Spirit. What are we being transformed into? What are we looking like? We're looking more like Christ, it says, the image, the same image um, of the Lord. We're looking, acting, talking, thinking, um, caring about, being moved by more and more the things that Christ um, did. This is what we are being transformed into. But here's where I wanna camp out for a second. How does this happen? What does it look like? Well, two things. It looks like this. It says that this is gonna happen from one degree of glory to another, that this is um, what it looks like. Now, people say different things about what this means, right? Well, some of us think it means it's progressive and you can't really see the change. It's from one degree to another by one, by one, by one. And that is true. Change, we know, is not microwave. It's like a barbecue, right? Low and slow. It takes um, a long time, that's true. But Paul is also at some, is trying to get us to see something else very clearly here. See, Paul just got done telling us there was this old glory and that now there's this new, better glory over here. In the original language, it doesn't say from one degree of glory to another. It just says from glory to glory. So follow me. Follow me. The only, uh, what he's trying to tell us now is that what we have the opportunity uh, to do is that change in our life happens when we bring uh, every area of our life uh, where there is condemnation, where we are uh, in sin, we bring that uh, to the Lord. We bring that to Jesus and, and we give it to him. And so uh, we go from a place of condemnation and death to a place of life and righteousness. That is what he means by from glory to glory. This is the process 
is to bring these things uh, to him. And so we see the work of Christ and we can bring each area, every moment, every uh, sinful uh, thing under uh, this new covenant uh, glory. Where's their condemnation? Where's their condemnation in your life? Um, We bring those things uh, to him. And in return, we receive life and we receive righteousness. So, it happens from one degree of glory to another, from glory to glory. The other part of how does this happen is we behold the Lord's glory. We behold him. When Paul is writing this, he's talking, he's, he's basically making a picture of as if we were staring into a mirror. And in the mirror, we see the Lord's glory, which remember, Moses couldn't even see it or else he would be taken up by it. But here, Paul is saying, look into the mirror of God's glory. You won't be consumed. No, you'll actually be transformed. Stare into um, his glory. Uh, For me, personally, I can tell you uh, that the most significant transformation in my life has happened uh, because of this. The most significant transformation in my life has been when I have been honest about my own sin, been honest about the shame that I feel, been honest about the condemnation um, and how uh, far down it has brought me, and I get to look in the face of the Lord and see his glory. And what does he give me? He doesn't give me uh, condemnation. He doesn't give me death. He says, here, here's grace. He says, I took that. I took that sin. I took that shame. I died for that. I rose again from the dead so that now I can pour out grace on you. And it comes as I stare into his face, as I look into his face as if I was looking into a mirror and reflecting back to me is his glory, but it doesn't consume me. It's, it's delight. The Father delights in me because he sees the righteousness of Christ that I'm covered with in this new covenant. That, my friends, is when I have experienced the most significant transformation. I want the same um, for you all. So this week, I want to ask you, will you meditate on the glory of the Lord? Will you do that? Will you stare into the mirror of his glory um, this week and know that where Moses was taken out, would have been taken out um, by that glory, you and I get to look at it and bask in it and sit in it and, be, uh, and, and, and have it reflected upon us. The Spirit is allowing you to look at the Lord's glory and be transformed um, by it. My heart, my hope um, for you is that you would get to experience that transformation. And as you do it, what's amazing is that uh, uh, Paul says we are with unveiled face. The glory doesn't go away. <laughs> that glory is permanent. And so when people uh, see us, um, they are seeing the very image of Christ being uh, made manifest in who we are. That's my prayer for us today. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you this week allow us to meditate on the glory of the Lord? Would we behold you as if looking into a mirror and as we look into that mirror, we we see the reflection of your glory on us and that where in the past that glory should have consumed us because of how far short we fall. Instead, now we are covered with the life of Christ, with the righteousness of Christ. And as we behold it, as we stare into that mirror, we are transformed by it. 
Lord, would you do that for us today um, by the power uh, of your spirit? And Lord, would you make us a church where we are measured um, not by by anything uh, but confidence in Christ? It's in your name we pray. Amen.